Welcome to Right on Track, a songwriting podcast. Thanks to Tone for tuning in. I'm Demi Michelle Schwartz, and I'm thrilled you're joining me on my songwriting journey. So kick back and relax, don't fall flat, and remember, stay right on track. Welcome back to Right on Track. I am so excited to have a returning guest joining me today. Please welcome Daniel Neshi. Hey everyone, how's it going? Great, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I'm glad to be back on and looking forward to talking about another good and interesting and useful topic for everyone. I'm so excited you're joining me again because our other conversation was incredible. But what have you been up to these past few months since we talked last? Well, here I've been, I've produced uh, another artist EP. I've been working now on producing some other tracks for them too. I went to LA for the NAMM convention and also teed up with a, teed up and met a bunch of really awesome and great producers and composers there. I've been doing a lot of self-development in areas of production and songwriting and been spending quite a significant amount of time on my vocal and drum abilities and i've written a bunch of music for myself and we'll start to look to get that more progressed in the next six to eight months as well awesome i'm so excited you're joining me again today we are going to be talking all about from dawn to dawn talking about the whole release process of a song from when we get an idea to release day so first before we get into specifics why is this a topic that you are passionate about I just think it's super important, like whether or not you are releasing music for fun as a hobby, um, whether it's just a bucket list item. I know plenty of people have just wanted to get a release out there Um, or whether you're at the early stages of your career, even the late stages. I mean, some of the best artists in the world still use the same base principles that independent and small artists do just with bigger budgets and and bigger teams. Uh, Personally, for me, I've been working as a part of an independent label for about four or three and a bit years now, not quite four. I've been involved in over you know a hundred different tracks coming out through that label. I've released in bands that I've been in the past or before. Obviously now I'm on my own. So um, I haven't released any solo material yet, but all the principles are going to be the same. So I've seen lots of artists release things and I'm, I'm just passionate about doing it the right way. For sure. Yeah, I think it's really interesting as well, because from a listener point of view, I don't think people realize how much goes into releases, especially when they have favorite artists. They're like, why can't he just release more music? And why is it so long before before like another release or whatever? And I think what people don't realize is there's so many different stages from starting to do the production through all the marketing involved, setting a release date and all of that. So we're going to be covering all of those things today. But of course, it all starts with a song. So for me personally, I don't produce while I am writing. I really like to focus on lyrics and melody first, get those together. Then I start on a chord progression and then build up a very strict demo here at my house before I go to the studio. So I know you have a little bit of a different process. You don't want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's there's no right or wrong way. I'll say that right now. Like I've been asked before, what's my process? Um, and I've asked people before and it, it's whatever works for you. But for me on a personal level, I tend to 
like me- melodies and lyrics might not come first to me. They might come second. They might come first. But I think because I've been very much brought up in a instrumental sense, coming to lyric, lyrical and melodic development has come later. So for me, a lot of my production and lyrics run in sync within each other. So a lot of the time, if I'm sending a track to a friend or like later today, I'm going to be doing a remote session in a few hours um, with a producer in Salt Lake City. Um, And the little snippets I've sent him are very much uh, mini productions, like 30-second snippets of actual like produced with melodic ideas right there. Um, I think it just gives me a better picture just like for me to see it, not really for anyone else. It allows me to work like with more fluidity down the line, especially if I'm working on a lot of things at once and I go away from that particular snippet for a week or something. I like to come back and be like, ah, that's what I was thinking and I can just go from there. That's awesome. I love that. I think that I've started to move from, I still do strip demos for studio as like a bass track that we build over top of but on my own I've started to do more produced demos just to get the vibe because I feel like I'm at the point now where I have a really strong vision as an artist of what I want and so being able to use MIDI instruments and build a track up to kind of capture what I'm envisioning and showing that to my musicians and my producer giving them a better understanding but at the same time I really enjoy like I think one of my most favorite parts of the whole production process is being in a studio with my producer and if my other musicians are there um, guitar drums whatever and having us all like work together I think that's my favorite part the collaboration so I think I like to have a good idea of what I want but also leave room for others to share their ideas as well no I definitely agree I mean in the times that I was in the in a band like some of those moments where it kind of clicks together the whole group kind of recognizes that and even now um doing like a lot of production for other people when you're with other people and it clicks for them and you see it in that moment for them like as them as an artist or for me if I'm collaborating with another producer for a track uh like people just, you just know, you just know it clicks and it's like that's that's the moment where it's like great, we've, we've got it. We've kind of like, I think the best, the best way that I kind of see creating music is it's a puzzle except you're the one who's making the pieces and you put it in whatever way you think is cool and then you essentially show it off to everyone else. Like there's no one way to do it. I love it. I love the puzzle analogy as well because... I think like everybody who is working on a song has their own perspectives. So the cool thing is like everybody brings their individual pieces of this puzzle to the table. And it's so crazy to think about how if I were to produce my songs with a different producer, how they would turn out differently. Even though I have a vision, other people working on it is going to have a different sound in the end. And so I think that's really awesome how the people that you choose to work with help make the song come to life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure I've listened to your music and it's a very different genre to the stuff that I've produced before. So I'm sure if you were to take your music to your normal producer and then you were to send that to, to me, for example, there would probably be quite a contrast in how that comes out. And, and obviously you as the artist, you make the decisions and you align yourself with a certain sonic identity. But the producers individually, they have their own processes that end up being you know, their sound as a producer and it has to fold in with your sound as an artist. 
For sure. Yeah, I love that. I love it. So because you do a lot of production, what has been your history with building up your own vision as a producer? I would still say that songwriting is, is a stronger skill for me than production. But at the same time, I kind of view them in a very similar light. Like I see them as two different shades of the same color. Um, but I mean, when I first started off writing in the music in the progressive band I was in, uh, there was no, it was just, we were just writing guitar parts. So writing guitar parts was very much the center point. It was instrumental, didn't have to worry about melodies and development. And then as time progressed on, started doing some pop music, started helping out some other people with their music. Um, and then I just came, came into the right crowds with the right people, started seeing their production skills. And I'm like, I should probably start to work up my skills in that area. And I think it's just been a gradual, gradual process of upskilling for me to get into the point where it's like I want to write and produce together. Like it's almost like they're synonymous to me when I'm writing a new idea at the same time. And like the one, the, the one thing I do actually want to start doing for other people and one thing I've started spending the last, I'd say, eight weeks really cracking down on is actually mixed fundamentals. So that's another thing that I'd like to go into. That's a whole other ball game. Um, but it's just been a gradual upskill. I think that's the best way to put it. No, for sure. And I think too, like even though I'm not interested in being a producer, I think it's still really important to know how things work. Because the more you know about instruments and how production works and the different effects and how you mix songs and all of that, the more educated that we are about those things, when we're working with a producer or a music engineer or whoever, we're able to join into conversations and share ideas in a way that we're using the right language and articulated things for the right way. And so even though I'm not looking to be a producer, I think it's so important to understand that side of music creation. Yeah, no, it's super important. And it's the, there's a never-ending cycle of kind of improvement. Like for me, it's like... I don't think if it was a scale of one to a hundred, I'd probably say I'm at like a three or a four in terms of like how far it could go. Um, but for me, you know, I very much want to be producing a lot of people on a regular basis. And that's, that's an area that I really enjoy. And it's something I also feel like mixing would be something that I could enjoy too, as I build up like a fundamental basis there. Cause to me, it's all just like one huge massive puzzle, which I really enjoy. But I mean, that's only one side of the whole release process, production and songwriting and mixing. That's a whole, that's just like one small portion of it if we look at like big picture. For sure. Yeah, so let's keep going. So once we have the production done and the mixing is done and we get our final master that's ready for release, then there are so many things we need to do to get ready to release the song or the project. And so the main thing, one of the first things that I do is get the artwork as soon as possible because it takes a really long time sometimes for a graphic designer to create the art in a way that captures the project in the way that you as the artist want it to. And so I think it's really important to get that as soon as possible. Sometimes I even send my graphic designer lyrics and a rough mix before I even have the finished master just so waiting on the artwork isn't holding up the release. I think I've even done it a step earlier and actually sent demos to artists in the past to be honest like I just know that graphic artists take their time and it's not a bad thing you want them to 
get your vision right. Um, but I don't think I've ever had a time where I've waited until the music was done to bring a graphic artist on board, to be honest. Um, I really, I, like in the bands we've been, I've been in and even now as a, as a solo, like I always tell the people I'm with, it's like, go get your art sorted out, like release date, artwork, get all the small things um, that you can do that without the music, like do everything you can do that doesn't need the music before the music is done. Right. Yeah, no, that's a really great point. I think it also has to do with like graphic artists because mine really likes to immerse himself in the song and so he gets ideas like by listening and reading the lyrics at the same time so I think like for him he likes to have it like I don't have the master per se like I'd send him like rough versions just so he can get the vibe but I definitely think like getting the artwork at some point before you have your master is so important because once you have the master you want to be able to start distributing yeah absolutely having that artwork is just a crucial piece of crucial piece of like the full metadata that you're going to need to release properly. Sure. So let's talk more about the artwork itself. So the artwork should capture the emotion and the concept and the message of the song, because that's really what everybody's going to see before they even listen to the song. And so what are your thoughts about the artwork? I mean, I, I've always been a big believer of artwork being something that's aesthetically nice to look at. For me personally, I'm not a big fan of artwork that's like right on the nose of this is exactly what it means. And I also think it's genre dependent. Every genre has almost like a kind of an unspoken rule or unspoken theme about the way that artworks are meant to go. I mean, if you look at, um, for example, you know, your top 100, like off the top of my head, I know that Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia is her in like a retro outfit. Justin Bieber's Justice album is him front on like with the green and then like Jack Harlow's um album is him next to the mic like it's the same with the weekends dawn fm like they're all very much the artist is front and center whereas if i kind of like turn it a little bit in a different direction metal artists are really different they don't usually have themselves on covers it's usually more of a conceptual album cover or a um but yeah, it's usually more of a conceptual album cover. They they focus the artwork on an object or a series of objects or a landscape versus themselves. So I think like, and then there are some artworks that are just like a, a, a basic color with a shape or something and, and that's it. And I think it just, it really depends on what the individual artist brand is in order for the artwork to be what it is, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely have a mix of, artwork that has a picture of me on it and some that don't and I think the biggest thing for me as an artist with my artwork is I want there to be some kind of like symbolism or deeper meaning and leave some things up for interpretation like there are certain symbols that are tied to my brand a butterfly being one and so you know some of my artwork has a butterfly in it um, and especially my four-leaf clover artwork, it's kind of like this magical forest scene, and there's so much symbolism in that, and I think it's really cool when you dig deep, and so I kind of like working with my graphic designer because he's very deep with the meaning and making things symbolic and creative, and so kind of taking the idea of the song and spinning it in a unique way where the artwork gives 
a clear idea of what the emotion of the song is and what it's about, but also leaving much room for interpretation. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think that's a good point you've raised about like something that's intrinsic to your, your, your brand. Like a lot of artists will have something about them that's, that syncs up with their brand. Like for me, <clears throat> for me, Neshi, like when I do release, it'll just be my last name because that's when everyone calls me. No one calls me Daniel. Like every professional relationship I have, um, it's referred to that way. It rolls off the tongue. It's easier. So for me, that um, that name has to be on every artwork. It's not so much an object per se. It's more of a, a name and a title. Like that's something that I'll have to be on every artwork. Um, and I think, yeah, it's all those little elements. Like what object does this artist want? What title does this artist want? And then the next part of that, if you know, if we're going to the next stage, is also naming the song because different different styles of music have different approaches. Like instrumental music, you just name it something that you you want to name it there's no there's no real formula for that because there's no lyrics whereas lyrical music you might take the hook you might take um whatever phrase sticks out to you you might take the line that's the concept of the song like the conceptual line as opposed to the main hook like naming the song with the artwork combined with obviously having an incredibly great musical product together you know, you create a package of something that is appealing um, no matter what your goal is, is, if it's for fun, if it's for career, like those three things together make a huge impact. I love how you mention it as being like a package of work because I know a handful of artists that spend so much time on the song, but then when it comes to like artwork and other things they don't put as much energy and thought into it and I personally try to put like the same energy into everything because I want all of my work like the song the artwork the presentation everything to be excellent and the best it can be and so I think the most attention needs to be given to everything and I also want to talk about release dates definitely set them in advance i try to do like six weeks to two months in advance of like having everything and with the release date itself me personally i have this thing it's super taylor swift like she does the whole 13 thing for me for some reason my my lucky number is 512 and so the majority of my release dates are like a combination of 512 and I want to say all of them have at least a five, one or two in them. Um, that's just a crazy thing that I do and it's a part of my brand. So, yeah. Fair call. I mean, going back to the first point you said about artists not putting in effort, I think everyone's guilty of that at some point. I mean, my first bandmate was the one who really like pushed that into me. It's like it all matters. Every stage of it matters. And I'm like, I'm super thankful that if I go back like four years, like that's, that's what he, you know, really pushed into me. The whole package matters, right? Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to remember what your second point was. Uh, release dates, yeah. So I think that one, that's an interesting one because if you're doing a single or something like that, you really only have one thing that you're actually releasing, maybe two if you do a video. Um, but if you're doing an album or an EP, you have a couple things at your disposal. Like if you're doing an EP of three or four songs, you can usually get away with one single and then the EP which means that you'll have like a single, a single video, an EP, and then maybe a video for one of the tracks in the EP. Um, and then if you're doing an album of, I don't know, let's say 10 tracks, you could release anything up to two or three singles 
and then the album itself plus additional stuff like videos and stuff like that. So a release cycle for a single could go anywhere from, you know, I, I prefer like I prefer an eight week cycle just because I know that places like Spotify for for um, playlist landing and stuff like that, it's always good to give them more time than less. And then things like an EP, you know, you might work in a 12 week cycle and then an album might be like a 16 week cycle. So it's not necessarily like, as you said, you know, when we were talking, I think before off, off air about how fans don't always understand like why can't an artist just release every other week it's like they probably could they probably have enough material where they could release a song every so often but whether it would actually reach their intended audience if they dropped it without any sort of preparation or press or um, advertisement is a whole other question together so cycles can be a huge huge endeavor yeah for sure there's so much that goes on behind the scenes there definitely is. And I like how you talked about the difference between a single and a project, because I completely agree. Like, for example, I am really getting close to releasing my five track EP. It is what it is. The first single came out in May. The second one comes out tomorrow at the time of recording this and the whole project in October. And so I've been promoting this EP since May. And every time I release a single, I'm like re-promoting that as part of the EP and I already have done quite a few interviews and things leading up to the EP. So what, May, June, July, August, September, October, like six months. That's like a six month period leading up from the debut single to the whole project. And I think like when you spread things out like that, especially doing two single releases, you give listeners a first taste into the project. Then you give them another one like two months later. And then you're leading up to the big project. And I think when you do that, it keeps people interested. And it also leaves songs that they haven't heard for the full project. And there's just so much that goes into it behind the scenes that it's really interesting when you take a step back and look at it. Yeah, it's a huge, huge process. And like the bigger you grow as an artist, the, the bigger the process becomes. Like your first release is definitely going to be like for any artist, the first release will probably always be in some ways the hardest, not necessarily the biggest in terms of preparation, but it'll always be the hardest because you have just zero idea what you're doing, like no matter what. And then from there, as you as you go on, your budget might expand for marketing, your material, you might have more of it, you know, you'll progress onto an album or something like that. And although the process might become bigger, it will gradually become more fluid, more easier. It's like, I've done this before. I, I know what's going to happen. Um, but there's a lot of stages in release. Like, for example, for those of you that don't know metadata, which is kind of all the information behind the track, you know, you'd be supplying who was the writer, who was the producer, who was the mix engineer, who was the mastering engineer. Um, you can go as detailed as where was the song recorded. Like metadata has a whole thing. Like what's the genre? What's the subgenre? Um, who's got the copyright and the um, who's got the copyright information and the publishing information? If it's an independent artist, it's easy. It's just you. If you're with a label, that depends on your agreement. Um, that so that's a whole other area. And then there's also like the creation of universal product codes, um, and that's a whole other thing because you want to be able to track how your song is doing in the market if if you're releasing it to like a mainstream 
platform and you're releasing physical versions and you want to track how that's recording and then there's also the merchandise side of that you know once you have your master you're also printing them for possible cds possible vinyls so there's that whole process there too which is another separate thing altogether yes for sure i love how you brought up metadata that is absolutely completely important Never, ever, ever, ever send any MP3s out without metadata embedded. I didn't know this when I started and my first like four singles didn't have it because nobody told me until I found out about it. It's so important. Like you do not want your music out there without any of that in there. Um, and the merchandise as well. Like I did merge for my debut album. And I think for my EP, I'm definitely going to get physical CDs again. And so that definitely needs a runway as well. Like when you use CD Baby, which is what I use, they actually have a partner company that does the CDs. And so when you upload your music for digital distribution, they actually pull the data over so you don't have to go through all the steps. So it's not as hard, but it still takes a while to get the cds and then you need to get that up on the store on your website and so there's so much that goes on behind the scenes leading up to big launch day yeah absolutely i mean i in the past i've used a place called uh implant media here in australia shout out to them they're always like top quality um and yeah you've got to have everything ready because it's not their job to make sure it's all right it's your job because it, you're the artist you want to make sure it's right right and then also like a really thing that I think is really good and I've, it's always done well for the projects I've been a part of is, is T-shirts, having cool designs and stuff like that because it recoups a lot of cost. Um, and it's always fun to just see like people wearing like your shirts and then making sure you have good materials too. Like it's all these little things that really, um, it really sets you apart from looking amateur um, and like looking amateur in the sense that you are small but acting professional and like for example as color shirts are always awesome they're always super soft and super cool and you know having good quality merch charging a normal price for them getting the recoup cost back and then your shirts are out there you know your brand and your profiles building up so that's another thing altogether that doesn't necessarily relate to the music but it is a part of that release cycle because you want everything to join up together. Like it's one big combined effort to have as big as a push as you can. You know, the smaller you are, the bigger you are. It doesn't matter. I mean, the bigger you are means you can do way more. You can do like 10 merch items instead of one. Um, but it's just, it's a huge combined effort. For sure. I love how you keep bringing up the quality. Like that's a big point that I just want to emphasize again. It's so important. Every single thing even if it's a little promotional graphic, it has to be top quality because I feel like we live in an industry now where because things are so digital and there are so many artists doing the same thing, the best way to stand out is by having quality work and that goes for your music, your artwork, the graphics, like the merch, the CDs, your website, your social media presence, like everything goes into the release. It's not just the music because when you start pitching to people for interviews and airplay, you have to send your EPK, which is basically your music resume. And so it's basically like applying for a job. Like you just need to like have the best presentation of everything to stand out from the crowd. Absolutely. And for those of you that don't know, an EPK is an electronic press kit and basically 
inside of that is, you know, your photos, your press photos, whatever you've done in relation to this current release. You'll usually have like a press write-up um, and then you'll usually have some kind of private stream that an interviewer or a reviewer can listen to. And everyone's different um, if you're doing like, I find like a really good way to do press research, especially especially when you have no pre-existing relationships. Like there are, there are Aussie and other international press outlets now that I know I could reach out to and get some kind of coverage. But when you're first starting off, you, I think the best way is to reverse engineer it. Find artists that are in your similar genre um, that are either like slightly bigger than you um, or like around the same ballpark as you. See other people that have covered them and then reverse engineer who wrote it, what was the press outlet, what's their preferred method of contact and then preparing it that way. Basically creating a humongous spreadsheet um, and I think an important thing to note is until you've built the relationship with a with a press outlet, do not mass email them out because they hate that. Um, individually email them. I mean, it shows you're doing your homework. And then at some point you can ask them, it's like, um, would you be okay being on like my MailChimp press outlet? And like if they say yes, you add them on, which means that over time you could probably build up like a MailChimp um, for those of you who don't know, MailChimp is like an email service. You can just blast emails to like a thousand contacts at once. Over time, you, you know, with their approval, you can build up this great um, audience, which means that you can just blast press outlets for whenever you're doing new releases. And it, over time, that process becomes more streamlined, but you have to do the homework and the work in the early stages properly. Otherwise, it won't work long term. Perfect. Literally everyone, everything Daniel said. <laughs> I think too, like the whole point about personalizing emails, I will literally speak firsthand just with the podcast. I have gotten blanket emails. I don't respond. I've gotten emails where people have addressed me by the wrong name. I don't respond. If you go on my website, my name is everywhere and my contact email is there. Do research. There's absolutely no reason for you to get somebody's name wrong unless you're being lazy and just not doing the research and blanket emailing people is like the worst thing because that just makes the person that you're emailing feel like they're just another person in this big bunch like they don't feel special at all so if you don't take a personal interest in them how can you expect them to take a personal interest in you i mean if you're if you're a fresh artist and you're you say you've 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 narrowed out like 150 press outlets right Obviously, it's going to be super time confusing to really go into detail. It's like, I love how you did this and this and this. And I'd love to do this and this and this with you. But something as simple of like addressing who you are, addressing what it is they've done. It's like, I saw you did an interview with X, you know, project. I really enjoyed the coverage and the writing. Um, I'd love for you to have a look at this. Uh, below is it's an attached EPK and a link. And I'm like, I mean, check how they want it. Some people hate having things attached in an email. Some people want things attached in an email. Everyone has their preferences. I mean, just it doesn't have to be this whole super personal endeavor. It just has to be like a professional, clean um, engagement. And I think that's the, the easiest way to do it. I don't think I've ever had, no. I mean, I've obviously had press outlets not reply to me but I can't think of a time where I ever had a bad press engagement. It's either they just don't reply or we do something. And if they don't reply, don't be deterred by that. That's just the way it is. They probably get hundreds of emails every single day 
and at some point or another, your email is going to be missed. Do not take it personally or to heart. For sure, completely. Yeah, and just to speak on that, I've had people who I've reached out to from my debut single didn't get responses. But I knew it wasn't a personal thing. Maybe they didn't see it. Maybe that song didn't resonate or whatever. But when I was doing my press stuff for new singles, like some people who haven't answered for three singles, there was one that came up and they did an interview. And so sometimes it just comes down to like what they're looking for at the time, the amount of time they have and what songs resonate. Yeah, they're people too. I mean, I think that's that's the thing that... When you're an artist, whatever you're doing is at the center of your world, which is fine because everyone, everyone, you know, everyone is their own main character, essentially. And it's especially apparent for musicians and artists and creative alike because we're trying to get our work there. We're trying to get our work product out there and our own individual brand. But it's important to remember that on the other side of our interactions, their main people, you know, they're their own main story too. They might be at this point in time where, Country music is just doing absolutely nothing for them. Maybe metal music's their thing right now. Maybe pop's, pop music is their thing right now, even though they're used to doing like rocky stuff. Whatever it is, I mean, you can't always expect people to be like, oh my God, they just did this. I have to cover it. I mean, you're getting into the millions of monthly listeners and the hundreds of thousands of monthly listeners before it gets to the point where everyone will start to drop things and just be like, oh, they released a new single. I'm writing about that right now. Like at the early stages for everyone, you have to just be willing to be patient and willing to play the long game. For sure. Completely. Yeah. So after we do all of the press and reach out to people and release day rolls around, that's the dawn. That's when the music is out there. So I've had quite a few release days so far. Amazing feelings. I personally get very nervous just because I love what I do so much. And especially when I release vulnerable songs, I'm nervous to share that side of me. But I just really hope that my releases do well. And something that I've tried to keep in mind is like not comparing release to release. I've had songs do extremely well. I've had songs not do so well. And it's just Music is subjective, and I have to keep in mind that all of my songs and my projects mean something to me, and so I kind of see each release as an individual process while also continuing to grow as an artist and learning from each one. Um, so yeah, how have your experiences been with releases? I mean, I I don't mind comparing my own releases to like the next one, like when we were in bands and stuff. I, I didn't mind comparing because you could see that growth, and as I do my own stuff, I mean... Um, like I'll be working with, you know, different people and multiple people on the tracks I eventually do release and um, whether I release independent or with a label, I don't know yet because um, there's, there's, there's possible, there's possible multiple possible routes um, for independent and label releases too. For me, I don't have an issue comparing releases to each other. I have an issue comparing my releases to someone else because I think that's just a damaging, a damaging formula for any creative. Um, when the music's out there, like I think I'll be, I don't know. I when releases have happened in the past, they've just happened. I remember, I remember the first release I ever did. I was a bit nervous because I didn't know if everything was going to happen correctly in the way we wanted it to. And I think when I release in the future, it's not going to be so much focusing on what just happened because the song's done. 
I really can't control what happens after that. Um, I'll just focus on the next one. But I think every release comes with some kind of moment of, you know, we, you know, this song brought brought on this growth. The next song is going to bring on whatever else we want. So I think for me, it's just they're all. I'm passionate about all of them, but for me, it's just you know we're we're growing and we're continuing on. For sure. Yeah, I love that. I think my perspective as well is like once the song's out, it's the listeners. It's still my song, but it's not exclusively belonging to me anymore. And it's up to the listeners to listen and relate and take away what they need to take away. And so I just think the music release process is so beautiful from getting an idea for a song, taking it through production, mixing and mastering, doing all the press stuff, getting the artwork, and finally releasing. It's a great process. What is your favorite part of the release process? I mean, my favorite part of the whole process is probably still the very initial concept of an idea. I think, um, I think that. I think press photos and doing videos are always fun too because the song's done. You can't do anything about it. Like doing a playthrough video, um, or some kind of video in relation to the track, I feel like that's always fun. I mean, it always takes a bit of organizing, but once you're there on the day filming and doing your thing, that's always cool and fun. Same with press photos, but I still think my favorite part of the whole process has got to be has got to be just the very first moment that idea comes together, because that's like a light bulb moment in a sense. Um, because I don't know the the release itself. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't say I get nervous from it. I would just say like I've become uninterested in what's going on. Like I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. By the time a song has been prepped for release, like properly, um, you know, the song is done and prepped and ready for release at least two months before it is actually out there, right? Um, or or something along that line. Six weeks, four weeks, you know. You have time to realize it's coming out on this day, um, and then once it's out, I'll stop listening to it. I'll never listen to them again. Other people will listen to it. Some people have said I love it. Some people said I hate it. And to be honest, I don't really care. I mean, if I'm not willing to take advice from them, I'm certainly not willing to take criticism from them in like an artistic standpoint. Like from from a listener point of view, it's I mean, fans are awesome and they're the best. Um, but when I want to seek advice about certain musical elements, there are people who are way better at what I do than me. And those are the people that I'll seek advice and criticism from. Music's a very you know personal thing. Some people might hate the message that I want to propagate. Other people might love it. And I, I don't really care either way if they want to be critical of that. So I think once a song out, out there, it's all about, for me at least, just moving on to the next one. Um, but I also want to say I feel like the first four weeks after the release, four to six weeks after the release, is pretty important. You you will stagger sharing press stuff. More press stuff will come because the release date has come. Um, and then uh, things like videos, reposting the song, like a week after, what did everyone think? Like that kind of social presence, that kind of social posting, um, that's also super important. And, I mean, everyone knows that a song might just do nothing. Everyone might hate it. You might get, like, barely any listens. You might get, like, 20 listens and that'll be it. Um, and, and and that's a, a harsh reality that everyone is definitely aware of within music. And 
that's just the gamble you take with it. I mean, I've never been in a situation where I had like five listens. It's always been, you know, now in the thousands kind of thing, um, which I'm always fortunate for. And I want to take those next steps for me now. But there, I'm sure there have been artists that have gotten like five and it's just been demoralizing. But it's important not to be deterred if you really are passionate and believe about it. Wow, it's perfect. I love everything you said. Super inspiring, super real. Um, I think for me, like, I just, I love the whole process. Um, every process or every step of the process is just another step to getting closer to releasing a song that I really care about. Um, I would have to say my favorite parts, though, are in the studio because I love writing the songs, but when I have a vision for them and I hear it in my head, I just can't wait to get to the studio to bring it to life. So going to the studio is one of my favorite parts. In terms of the release side and other content, I love doing behind the lyrics videos where I'll talk about the song. I also run a blog on my website I update regularly. So that's something I love to do, but I just love the whole process. And like you said too, like not being discouraged if a song doesn't do as well and not comparing to other people, it's really, really important. I think like we just need to remember why we're doing this. We love music and we want to share that with the world. And as long as we remain passionate, then we'll always have a great time. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree. I mean, for me on a personal level, I've never had a, a release that was directly mine that had lyrics and stuff like that. I've produced plenty of music for other people that had lyrics. So it's things like behind the lyrics videos and stuff like that, that's kind of exciting to me because that's fresh and that's new. But I'm sure after I do them a few times, it'll become like the norm. Like that's, that's kind of the thing for me is, I become passionate about whatever the concept or the initial idea is. And as I build out the song, it stops becoming more about serving me and more about serving the song. What's right for that? Like I remember I sent you um, after our last podcast, I sent you a track called Thought About It, which was, um, you know, a, a, a kind of produced demo that I put together. And the chances that I'll release that are probably pretty low at the moment. It doesn't serve exactly the the sounds that I want and what we're going for at the moment for me but it's still a good song right so that might come later later on but even though I think the emotional context of that song is really good it's kind of about serving a broader image which is why you know I haven't released it even though it's probably you know releasable awesome for sure so we had an amazing, amazing conversation. Daniel, it was lovely having you back. Before we go, do you have any final thoughts you would like to share about from dawn to dawn? No, I think just just be patient with yourself. Um, just be patient with yourself. It's a really long and hard process. And even if you never release more than one one thing ever, it's a genuine achievement to be able to get some art out there, in, no matter how you want your musical endeavors to go hobby or otherwise, you know, it's a genuine achievement. So I guess you should be proud of that if you do end up releasing something. Fabulous. Daniel, thank you so much again for joining me. Where can everybody find you online? Uh, you can find me at DJ Neshi, um, my initials on Instagram, TikTok, everything, everything. Um, you'll be able to find me there and, and follow me there. My, my portfolio and site will be up in the next few months too with every all the kind of stuff I've worked on and 
hopefully by year's end you'll see a couple tracks from some from me and some other incredible musicians too working on some stuff there awesome thank you so much again for joining me for another amazing conversation listeners thank you for listening to this episode with daniel nushi and of course until next time stay, stay right, right on track, on track.